Hello and welcome to the weekend update on Friday the 25th of November 2022. I'm your host Christopher Gallagher and this Friday I'm joined by Christian Wolf. Hello Christian, how are you? Good morning Christopher, I'm well thank you. Um, everybody got to the place they needed to be on time this morning so I mean that's just a win in itself and I'm I'm where I belong here with you Christopher. On the weekend update. Lovely stuff. Happy with that. Uh, we've got some plenty of news to catch up on regarding Celtic's transfers, transfer strategy, and a few other bits. Uh, but um, how are you feeling? How's things? How's life, Christian? Yeah, good. Um, like busy at work, um, which is okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to my first Christmas night out with work, like ever. Obviously, they haven't been one properly for the last couple of years in, wow. in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how that goes. Is it Glas- yeah. is it Glasgow City Centre? Or do, do you want everybody to know the the time and the date? It's the yeah, it is. It's uh, I think we're in Royal Exchange Square. Oh, um, very fancy. A Friday, a Friday in December. That's so. So yeah, other than that, just you know, Christmas preparations. So a lot of preparations to be done. Uh, I bought a lot. It's, it's good. To, like Max is properly into football, so I bought a lot of football stuff, right, yes, for yes, for Christmas, yes. which is good. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's busy, busy but good. Um, I was going to say like, oh, he's, you know, break with Celtic. I hardly do any podcast there, and I just realised I've been on like two, three podcasts every week anyway. So <laughs> yeah, and there's plenty more to come. Uh, yay! yay. Uh, I mean, we're doing two today. Yeah. So yeah, we'll yeah. we'll certainly get to the second one uh, in a couple of minutes. Uh, great to hear that you're doing well. Um, yeah, good stuff. How are you, Christopher? Oh, thank. Oh, Christian. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I am. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I have been watching. Um, I've been watching the World Cup. Um, uh, through an illegal stream, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, just planning for December. Um, some big games coming up in December, so, so should be good. I, I- I wanted to raise something with you because we, I've, I've listened to the first part of the Midweek Bounce. Oh, Jesus. Obviously, Christ. it's back. I'm, I just want to put the record. I'm slightly worried about Bout's health. Right. <laughs> yeah. So can we, can we have somebody look at him? Does he have like a boopa if he's, you know, insurance or something? Cause that, he sounds worse than Ange. Yeah. Press conference. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that. He's, he's get the, he's get the Ange cough. Uh, but no, but, but he got, um, he got, covid pretty badly and then we played, okay i feel bad now so okay so. then we played five asides and he hurt his rib <laughs> so i don't know why i'm laughing <laughs> nah, he, he's, he's absolutely fine but he's always had a cough anyway for as long as i've known him so it's, yeah he'll yeah, be fine maybe checked okay, yeah, okay. marek's there he'll, he'll he'll make sure he's okay um yes. great stuff uh opening question um the opening question we have uh, plenty of podcasts lined up regarding the transfer committee, a couple of them coming up in next month and stuff. So uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but uh, I think it's a kind of, from what I've been thinking about in regards to Celtic's midfield, I'll just, I'll just read the question. Um, will Celtic be able to ship out the midfield players that are surplus to requirements before be- bringing in required quality to challenge the players in the midfield positions? Um Obviously, Moy has taken the kind of he's played a lot. Obviously, with McGregor out, O'Reilly's been in the eight. Hatati's uh, just been consistent and fantastic. Those three are your your three kind of contenders currently. McGregor to come back, so you're looking at four for 
three positions. You've got David Turnbull outside of that. Then I, I just quickly noted, you know, you get McCarthy, Adeguchi and Abelgard. I mean, well, first question for, for you. I mean, are they all surplus to requirements? Or will Abelgard, for example, get an opportunity second half of the season? I don't see it myself. What's your thoughts? Well, that was actually my notes. I was going to put the question back to you. <laughs> Which one do you think is surplus to requirements? So I, I think, as you say, it's Hatate, O'Reilly, McGregor. I don't think there's any doubt those three starts uh, when they're fit. And then, as you say, you essentially got five for... And I think, realistically, you don't need more than three. But those three need to be... that needs not to be a drop-off in, in, in quality. And you can have slightly different kind of qualities within player. They don't have to be a like-for-like like because you've seen with... Like O'Reilly, you can put him in the six if you need to. Um, McGregor is the same. You can put him up to an eight. So you, you are probably looking at then two players of those five that are surplus. But you also, <laughs> the other part of that is you need three, say, backups or challengers, but are any of them at the point of being, I was going to say good enough, but at least not have that drop-off. So I think McCarthy is the obvious one. Right. Um, although it's, you know, seeing these like Celtic when they did a little like Q&As with the players, it always comes up as the, as the funniest one. So though if you need, you need to keep him around, maybe, you know, Cap, Captain Bance. Uh, it, yeah. uh, but otherwise, McCartney, then you look at the other ones like Abelgar is, I, <laughs> I struggle to see him being there after this season with the start he's had, like my, my turnaround. But I think he is. A really good. Uh, he's a different kind of midfielder. He's a really good option. We don't really know how good he is because we haven't seen him play. Uh, so, uh, and I think the same thing can apply with Idiguchi. That those two might fit really well into the system, but because of various, it, I mean, various things, injuries with Idiguchi, Abigor apparently you know maybe not up to speed yet. Is he what I want to be? So, so for, for those two, for me, those two are big question marks. Because I like the idea of both of them, but that's what they are at the moment. We don't know if they're actually real. We don't actually know if they exist, I think, in one way, uh, in terms of the Celtics world. But so, so both of them are interesting players from the little we've seen and how they can be an alternative. So I think those are in a, in, in a bracket by themselves. And then you come to Moy and Turnbull, which I think you don't have to go over all the discussions we've had about them, but they're and this is going to sound very centrist, but they both have qualities. I just, but both of them for me are a type of player that doesn't in any way make this team better or enhance the system. And that doesn't mean they're, they're totally useless because they're not. Uh, but for both of them in an ideal situation, I don't think I would have any of them in the squad. And I would bring in somebody who can, and because I don't think any of them actually push those McGregor, O'Reilly and Hatati in any way. I don't think there's any even a, a shred of doubt that those three are the starters. So you want somebody in to to be able to do that. So, I mean, in an ideal situation, you, you have Idiguchi, you have players like Abelgor, and then you have maybe a really good number eight that can step in and be there instead of Turnbull and, Moy and be that fourth choice. So ideally, so I know I haven't answered your question at all there and just going off on one, but I think you can probably take, bring McCarthy 
yeah, it's good to, you know, it's not an equation, but the issue is to bring in a really good, say, number eight. I think you need to move. Maybe you need to move Turnbull away because Moy, I don't think Moy's going to be there for long anyway. I don't think Abelgar's going to be there for long anyway. But come the summer, especially if Turnbull doesn't play, I, I think he's the one you move on, get some money, and then you actually put a good chunk of money into a new midfielder. Well, number eight, essentially. So what I would say is, um, I don't, I don't think Abelgard will Obviously, we've got. He's not. People keep saying he's on loan. He's, he's not. Well, he is and he isn't because he's not officially on loan. We just have him on a year's contract, and then that contract ends. And then, depending on what happens with the situation in Russia and Ukraine, who knows? But I don't think Abelgard will be here. That's fine. Um, Moy's contract ends at the end of of the season. Uh, I think McCarthy will be keen to leave because I think he want to play. So then you are looking at Adiguchi and Turnbull probably being your your two, but I think Adiguchi would have played. I think Abelgard would have played because you know putting O'Reilly in the in the six was even when he was playing well, it was still a bit of a risk because you're missing his energy in the eight and stuff. So I, I think that the midfield seems kind of clean cut. Are clear cut with your McGregor, Hitati, O'Reilly, and I think those three are one hundred percent. That's your starters. I think everyone else around that. I just, I'll be honest. I don't have confidence or faith in any of the other five at all. I, I would, I, I would try. This is this might sound harsh on Turnbull. I would try and move all five of them on either in this window, a combination of this window and the summer. Is that too harsh? Yeah, I mean, it's optimistic. Yeah, I, this might be not hard. I mean, I, I don't mind being harsh. Uh, you know, on these players, these little tiny puppets we can move around. I don't but think you, about you, the feelings. You, you need- yeah, no, but I, so I, I, I totally agree because look at the, for example, the, the winger situation. I think for the wingers at the moment, you've got a really good mix of type of wingers and wingers that can come in and contribute in different ways. You, you have five wingers that all contributes in different ways in the squad. And I think so the wide situation is, is as good in a comparison. I mean, as you say, it's the midfield trees clear cut. But as soon as you take one of them out, I think you have a drop-off. Yeah. Or at least you don't have somebody who can come in and contribute specifically in a different way. Well, if it is a different way, it's not quite suited. So I think I, I think it's someone like Ida Gucci, I wouldn't mind keeping him there because he's as a fifth or sixth choice because he seems a good mix of maybe a six and an eight and he can come in. Uh, Abel Gore, it's kind of the same, but you what well, you don't want to buy a backup. So you need to go out, be it in the winter or be it in the summer, go out and buy someone who will challenge that front tree, right? Or, or you know, the, the tree starts. And I think after that, you can look at, okay, if you need to keep Idiguchi plus one, yeah, fine. Ideally, you would want somebody for the youth team to step up and do that, but you know that's in a whole other discussion. But I think somebody like Turnbull, you would go. I don't think it's a great fit, but I, th- I think he wants to play as well. I don't think he wants to be, you know, the the player who comes in when two players are injured, because he can go somewhere else and have a really good career. So I think for David Turnbull and for Celtic, it makes sense that he leaves by the summer. And I think I, I think David Turnbull can get a decent move somewhere as well. And it's just one of those where. Doesn't quite fit a Celtic. Doesn't mean he's he's a bad player and want to have a, a really good career somewhere else. So I think that's the one of the kind of if you look put the transfer committee hat on. Seems a bit harsh, but probably in the end, the best thing for both parts. 
Yeah, well, that, you know, as Ange says, agile and aggressive um, kind of trading model. Just to finish off of that question, do you think it will be a case? Do, do you see any midfielders coming in in January? I, yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, I think it's up to if there's an option, if, if there's like an opportunity. And by that, I mean, I essentially from a winter, yeah. like a summer league. Like if, if it's like be it Japan, be it you know Scandinavia, be it you know US or Canada. If, if it's an opportunity, if you have the right player, it comes up. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And I, I, you know, I think you can live with having a lot of midfielders for six months. So you, aggressive and agile. I don't know if you've heard that expression, but if if that comes along, you, you bring it in. I, I don't. But you don't have to go out and get one, I think. You know, desperately, like you don't have to scramble around for one. But if the right one comes along, and okay, maybe you think about doing it in the summer instead, yeah, you, you go get them now and you, you, you get them in. And that might actually, you know, trigger something with the other players as well to say, oh, I better actually get out of here now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on uh, Matt O'Reilly, I highlighted to you, but you'd already uh, discussed it, I'm sure, and, and mocked it. The um, <laughs> the the ad ad advert, the link uh, to an article on the BBC website about it's who is exceeding their expected goals and who isn't, and it's an article essentially on expected goals. Uh, it's on the BBC website. I guess it's good that mainstream kind of news outlets and the kind of BBC are trying to kind of deliver this sort of information to the mainstream, but they're not doing it in a very good way, are they, Christian? To be honest, I don't think it is good. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's, I think, and I'm, I probably said before, I, I have absolutely no need to be some sort of like missionary for, for XG. Like if people want to engage with advanced stats, great. They can do that. If they don't, I don't mind. I don't really. In one way, I don't mind if you know there's articles online that completely misrepresent what XG is. You know how it, in my opinion, how it should be analyzed and used. I'm too old to care about that. You know, I don't get. You know, it's, it's not like oh no, they're misrepre misrepresenting XG. Uh, I don't idea what that voice. <laughs> but uh, so, but having read this article, I don't think. Me and Stephen were talking about this last night because that's you know we bitch about about those kind of things. That I, I don't think an article has, has caused me more physical pain lately than this article. It's just it literally hurts reading it because it's just. And I just I know I just said I don't really care what's in the mainstream media, but I mean you, you're you're writing for the BBC, right? But I think when you get to a certain level of news outlets, it, it just becomes so bland. It's became so dishwater this kind of thing and this this just list of xg and who isn't who's overperforming and underperforming and but there's like there's no concept of what this actually shows what you can actually use xg for and, and, and the way it's done just with total goals and saying <laughs> like i think kevin van der ven who's like at seven xg he's one of the highest xgs in in the league for example with um, so he's got seven goals for nine XGs, and you go, oh, he's he's only performing the most because there's a two two points difference, and you go, well, it's because he's got loads. I mean, just at least bit of per ninety or something like that. So no, it's 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 a ludicrous article, but I think it shows the level of 
I guess, analysis around this and the level of any sort of commentary you have on, on football in, in Scotland, be it BBC or anywhere else, just very bland and it's just a complete, I guess, misrepresentation of, in my opinion, how, how you should use XG. So, yeah. See, so see, when you're watching Match of the Day on a Saturday and they show you the XG and they show you some advanced stats on the screen, is that helpful, do you think? Well, I think, yeah, I think overall people are a lot more aware of XG and I think it's been a point where kind of the concept that it, it just shows the, the quality of chances a, a team makes, you know, it's just something a bit more advanced than, than shot stats. I, I think it's good that you, it is a bit more mainstream and people kind of have a more of a grasp of it and they can engage with it as much as little as, as they want. But, you know, a lot of people who deal with that, it kind of upsets if it's not done correctly, and this is oh, now everybody will think it's, it's rubbish. And I was like, I, I don't care if people think it's rubbish or not. I like it because I, I I know what it is, and I I I know how to do the analysis with it, and I, I know what it says, what it doesn't say. I know I know where the pitfalls are because I'm I'm a sad bastard. I've been working with it for almost ten years. So if people don't want to use it, I I couldn't care less, really. You know, it's it's not. Maybe at some point I did, and I think like, oh no, this is terrible. Everybody should like try and embrace stats, and we need to put like a good PR front of it. I don't care. Like, I, I think it's re- I think it's really useful, and I and I I think I, I use it to kind of, I guess, inform my opinions, but also kind of trigger some some questions for myself and then do analysis. But uh, so, but uh, again. You need to know how to use it, and you need to know what it is and what it isn't. And it's, I guess, like with everything with with Twitter and everything, it's you know, people like to have like running battles about it. But ah, I, I couldn't care. I just sit there in my corner, and I deal, and I I, I like my numbers, Chris, and I, I like watching it. But I, oh I, I couldn't care why everybody else thinks the most. I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's not, I know, I mean, it's that's not, it's not, it's not a sad thing. I was just like. <laughs> You know, I, I I like it, and I, I. But as I said to you when we had the social as well, like the more you work with data, the more you distrust it. Yeah, right. I think the more you learn about it, the more you you see its limitations. So I think anybody, if, if anybody, I was going to say, quote unquote, you want to listen to in terms of when they talk about data and stats, I, I think they should have a, a part of them that really don't like numbers. You know, because you, you, you have you have to be distrustful of them, and there's there's much more bad analysis than there's good analysis there in terms of uh, the numbers itself. So uh, I come to a point where I think I said before, like, see, when I watch a team, like I said, there's so much. I think I rely less on the numbers. I, I rely on some numbers. I think some of them are really good prompts and some of them are a good sense check. But if you have the time and the resource to watch every game one, two, three times sometimes, I, I, you, you, I think you can trust your eyes a lot more and you, you don't have to, and you can, but having said that, it doesn't mean that numbers doesn't matter, but I think you, you're able to explain what, why some players have these numbers and why have others. You, you still need to let the numbers be a sense check on your own opinions. You should always have that. I think it comes to it, like see when we do the opposition analysis. Who's got the time to watch, you know, Motherwell play two, three times every game? I don't know. So, so you rely on numbers more than to give you a basic overview. You rely on stuff like XG and X points to kind of sense check yourself and and see what 
is likely to happen in the future. But I, I don't think there's a substitute of actually watching games two or three times. There's not. Absolutely. Um, great stuff. Um, we're obviously uh, we're doing beyond the scoreboard. We're recording it tonight, and it'll be up and available tomorrow. Myself, uh, yourself, Christian, and uh, Alan as well. So plenty to discuss on that. Looking forward to that sort of monthly check-in. Um, let me ask you a question about Beal Ball. Beal Ball. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, again, we don't talk about Rangers much, and it's not something we really focus on. But at the same time, you know, after I'll be honest, every every time you say that on pod, I go to myself. I enjoy talking about it. <laughs> um, I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we have to talk about uh, our rivals, obviously, um, just because of the, the, where we are in the season and such. Um, obviously, there's a lot of upheaval there, and that will affect us and how they kind of recruit and stuff and, and all that, everything that comes with that. You, you sent me an article link that basically said that they're, may, they're looking at other kind of candidates and stuff, um, but Michael Beale has went to the front of the queue. Um, this is a guy who literally a couple of weeks ago talked about loyalty and how he wasn't going to leave QPR for Wolves because, and all the stuff, I've brought these people in here and if I was to jump ship, blah, blah, blah. And now he's got a major link to to Rangers. Um, would you be worried if he came in? Um, I think there's, he's such an unknown, right? In that sense. It's not an unknown because he's been there and we know what it's like. We know that joking, they riles him up a bit, which is fun. And, but... To me, it would be very much like Celtic going out and hiring Chris Davis after Neil Lennon, right? So you have somebody who's been there as an assistant, who was seen as more, you know, tactically focused. But he's, you know, there is that step up from being an assistant and being the front, you know, the front person. You know, we saw that with with John Kennedy as well, in terms of he's, for whatever reason, he's, he's not wanted to take that step up yet. So, I think with QPR ones, it's interesting. Guess what I brought? I brought some stats, Chris. There we go. Love yeah, I love stats. Everybody should love them. Um, so, QPR, was, he's, he's had a, he had a good start result-wise, and then he's dropped off quite a bit lately. But it's interesting if you look at the... Uh, there's an X points table, of course, for, for the championship. And what that shows is that QPR has been dramatically overperforming. So, there's... This specific exploits table, you know, they're ninth in the in the actual table, but in this one they're sixteenth in terms of their underlying performances. So, I, I think overall, his tenure at QPR, while it's it's very short, you know, uh, to be honest, I, although I don't know exactly the you know starting point from QPR and, and what really should be expected about them, yeah. but it's not very overly impressive. I think him and Gerard. I think they were probably a decent combination together, right? So one of them with the more brainy stuff, the tactical stuff in Bale, and then Gerard the more kind of manage, management talisman, although you can question some of his management, um, I'm sure. And Steven Gerard without him does not look good. But then also you go outside, has Michael Beale look good without Steven Gerard, you know, stepping up into that? And he is highly liberated. I think it's, it's fair that he is because... He's, you know, I think he knows how to set up a team. I think, you know, the the way he shaped ranges, this kind of narrow formation they had in, especially in Europe, you know, it's very well drilled. It was organized. It got them results. And I think last season's success for Rangers in Europa League was built a lot on that. 
I think, you know, the remnants of that. But for me, it's always been, how, how do you translate setting up in that style in Europe, which is done well, and Michael B has written about how you should set up with just if you get a man sent off and so on, which is how range is played in a lot of ways, just with 11 men. But for me, it brings like the opposite dilemma of something we talk about for Celtic in Europe, how Celtic needs to so dominant domestically have the ball so much, don't do need to do much defending. But then in Europe, you saw in Champions League, obviously that is tested a lot more it's to find that balance. That's with ranges the last year, as I think with Beal as well, it's, it's the opposite, you know. So to set off a certain way in Europe, that then has some issues in translating into winning, beating, you know, everybody outside of Celtic consistently and creating enough chances consistently and, and, and so on. And obviously the COVID season, they did that, but you know, there's a lot of things in that season that, that comes no into play as well. So, no challenge at all. Yeah, and it's so and there was a point where in 1920, as we said before, if, if that season is not disrupted, is Gerard there? Is Bale there? Exactly. You know, do do if if you have another manager than Neil Lennon, is the Rangers win the league? I'm not sure. So, I think he's an unknown as a manager for himself. So, I, I, it's I, and for all his faults, like Van Bronckhorst and his team were also. You know, they had a certain style, that, but they're also tactically minded, if, if that makes sense. You know, it's not just a vibes team. I, I think there was a lot of issues with their squad and they maybe wanted to play a certain way. They didn't have the players for it. So on it just yeah. But as, as Graham and I talked about on Tuesday in terms of, I think for all the fun we had with Gio, I don't know if this is a good sacking or not, because they weren't overall... They've had a bad run, but they weren't terrible. You know, the the points tally is, is less than anxious at the same time, but it's not atrocious. And it's, you know, he's been there years of five people into the backroom staff and it's kind of formed around that. So uh, I don't think Rangers will get an immediate upturn in the results just because they've got rid of this terrible manager. Because I don't think he's a terrible manager. I think he's a medium manager. But I don't know if this is a quote unquote good second or not. And Rangers can get worse. Yeah, and so. let's, and, and by the way, let's hope they fucking do. Um yeah. the, the the thing with um you know, Michael Beale being brought in, I'll be honest, <clears throat> doesn't fill me with any fear. Um and you know, do you know what fills me with fear? And people might maybe switch off their podcast now. <laughs> Sean Deitch. I, I fear him because I'm really not sure how I pronounce his last name. Is it Daish? 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 Daish. I think someone like him coming in and just making, just kind of, I don't think he's a particularly great manager. But see this Rangers squad, I, I do think they're just a bunch of, their confidence is low. I, I don't think they've got a lot of kind of guts now, I do think, you know, there are there are probably remnants in that squad that could kind of work if you put them in the right kind of structure. And I do think someone like Sean Dyche, people are laughing, saying, ah, oh, Rangers should get him, ha, ha, ha. I think he'd do all right. I'm not saying he'd win the league. I'm not saying he would challenge us, but I think he would get them organised. And I think he would come up here and he'd see it as a ch- an opportunity to take a club and do something with them the way he wouldn't get the opportunity in England. Yeah, it's that interesting thought experiment we haven't really seen. Like, I think... 
the person before Dice was Sam Allardyce. I mean, there's always talk about Sam Allardyce coming yeah. up and how would that work and how would somebody like him work? I think it's, it's, he's, Sir Dice is, for me, is probably a English version of Martin Dale. I think he's got a lot more experience than Martin. It's probably better than Martin Dale as well, but it, it, it was always interesting to me if his Rangers were going to go for that type of manager. And I, I could make this in that as well. And how it worked. And that's just probably maybe the, the top choice in that category of, of manager. But the owner with him is like, okay, I know he got promoted with Burnley once, but how does he deal with a team that has, will have at least 60% of possession of the ball in pretty much all the games? How does he put a team in place that? create chances against a low block because he knows how to burn a low block and, and restrict those chances. How does he do, do the other side of that? And how, because you need, okay, I'm sure he'd be super organized against Celtic. They've been difficult to break down. You know, they might, you know, grab a, a 1-0 Derby win and, and stuff like that. You can see him doing that. But does he have the ability to organize that team to crush domestic opposition, right? And, and and attacking minded, really. So I think that's the question mark with him. I think those derbies would be gnarly and, and horrible, but would he win more points than Celtic in the rest of the game? Hmm, I doubt that. I highly doubt it. Well, good. I hope I hope they fucking, yeah. I hope they, I hope they go out of business. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they'll be updated. So let me tell you something about Rangers. They died. Yeah, and also, they died. yeah, they did. Sorry. And they, they drank their own wee. Uh, right. Yuki Kobayashi has been confirmed as being brought in. He'll be with uh, Celtic uh, from the 1st of December, but he won't be able to play a competitive game until January. Christian, who is this dude? dude? He's a centre-back, Christopher. Love it. Uh, Plays in Japan. I I love Battle's joke in the mid-first. The UK. UK UK Kobayashi. Um, so, So he's he's... I don't know what we say this is, is really interesting. So, so where do we start with, with Kobayashi? I think first of all, you start with his age, but he's, he's, he's young and he's, he's, but he's played a lot of minutes. But he's also, we put his starting with the data and, and the scouting report. And we put out yesterday. And I, I think the interesting part about it, so, so when you hear about him, you kind of get a, a feeling that, okay, you, you're going to see somebody who's, you know, ball playing centre-back, you know, sh- you know, plays in Japan. He's, I think he's six foot one. So in centre-back terms, not very high. Well, I think that's CCB's height or even a bit uh, taller. So you think, oh, you're going to see lots of, you know, passing, dribbles, uh, physical side, maybe not as much. And then you look at his stats and you go, well, what's happening here? Because his, his stats... The one thing that jumps out is, is how many headers he wins. So he's in the top. So obviously when we do this, we, we compare them with, I think we've got about 35 leagues worth of players in this database. There's about over 2,000 centre-backs, right? Just played a certain amount of minutes. And he's in the top 5% in terms of winning headers. And the guy's like quite young. He's, as I said, he's, he's six foot one. Uh, so you go, what's kind of happening here? And I even had to go and check, or oh, maybe in Japan, for some reason, it's a league where the centre-backs win a lot of headers, right? Because it's maybe, is there, is there not that, if you compare to Scottish game, is there not that many target men and so on? So, okay, so I went in and, and checked 
how many headers has all the center backs in Japan won um, this season? And it's it, it, exactly 67.4%. But I looked at the same in Scotland. In Scotland, the center backs win 68.7% so far this season. So it's not a league that has especially high, you know, win rate for, for headers. And you okay, are Scottish centre backs playing a certain uh, different way? I don't know, but it, so it's but his his heading is his stats are really good. So so I wanted to go in and have a look at him as well, based on that, in terms of uh, <laughs> how good is he on the in terms of, of using that and and because he's not a tall guy, as I said, for, for a centre back. And, and what I kind of saw is that he is somebody who's very athletic. Right and aggressive when it comes to those aerial duels, so you can see why he's. It, it kind of, I don't think the CCV comparison is is bad in terms of that because CCV as well has a good leap on him. Right, he's 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 athletic, and he he wins a lot in the day. And I think Kobayashi is is similar to that. There was we put something out on Instagram. Obviously, yesterday because there was kind of they they played against the Korean champions in the Asian Champions League, and they had a a big Brazilian target man called Gustavo, who is about you know, one to two inches taller than uh, Kobayashi, and the Korean team just you know went long to this Brazilian striker a lot. So I thought that oh, so that that's an interesting kind of comparison. What we'll meet in Scotland. And I think he handles himself really well. Like he loses a couple of headers, but you can see how aggressive he is, how good a leap he is, and he's, he's not afraid of getting into those duels. So you can kind of see, okay, his aerial ability are, 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 is good. It's interesting. Then I had a look. Uh, so you know, it, it will come to his ball playing stuff. I think where you see him, and I'm kind of leading into some of your other questions here, but looking at his kind of more one versus one defensive duels and how he is, he is still a little bit raw, which I I think is fine for a 22-year-old. And he does have a tendency sometimes to to dive in a bit. He he can be turned, um, not easily, but uh, he's he's a funny, almost not a funny body shape, but he's he's not tall. But when you look at him, he seems quite wide and he's got decent pace, not rapid, but he's decent pace, but he, he sometimes he, he dives in a bit and players go past him. And, but again, he's, he's kind of got, he loves to topo. He loves to put a leg in and he is good at kind of, you know, getting a leg on a ball, stopping the opposition and bringing the ball out. So nothing like you would say disastrous, but there's still elements of his game, his, his dual play that his tackles that, that needs to be developed. Right, so I, I think in terms of if you can compare him to someone like Starfelt in that area, I think Starfelt is still a better player with him one on one on the ground in, in terms of facing attackers. But he he, he does have the potential. I, I think it's more. Uh, 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 he, I think he has he has the physicality. It's more uh, a development thing, a coaching thing. You know, you get that with experienced centre back. So I just thought that was interesting defensively, whereas his his strength is probably. In the air, and he's got the athleticism to do that. So uh, the defensive side of it was was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when you know we announced a five year deal, he's twenty two. Um, he's a left sided centre back. Like all these kind of boxes are are being ticked. Um, but I just I wonder what his kind of 
embedding in process will be like. Ange has made it clear that he doesn't doesn't like uh, changing his centre back pairing. As 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 if he doesn't have to, he won't. Um, and we have obviously Starfelt and CCV. Hopefully, CCV comes back from the World Cup nice and fit as well. Um, how how do you think he's going to be bedded in? Do you think he'll play a lot of games between now and the end of the season, or is this a guy that will be brought in preseason sharp? That's why you want to play him. I don't think this season he's, uh, you know, a, a clear. He's not a player you bring in who you think will definitely start in front of CCV or Starfall. Right? I, I, I think they will still be your first choice partnership the rest of this season. I think what you have with Kubayashi, you have a player, and this is my issue with players like Welsh and, and Yen specifically. They're not bad players. But I don't see them having the ceiling to come in and be a starting centre back for Celtic and and excelling there. I think Kobayashi is not there yet, but I think he's got the potential there. So I, I think that's a good situation. Obviously, there's a question of how quickly you adapt. And uh, you know, I think the Japanese league isn't millions miles away from the Scottish league in terms of physicality, but it's, it's everything else around that as well to do that. But I think with Kobayashi, you have something that you can bring in. For me, I would really interest to see him as the third choice until summer. Give him some minutes. You know, let him make a couple of mistakes, get used to it. But I think you, you'll be able to see what he can bring uh, specifically. And I think you have there somebody who has that ceiling and who could, in the right circumstances, you would think under Ashton would be good, develop really quickly and improve really quickly. And and be somebody that already next season can be of you know this guy he's he brings something else to the team and he should be a starter. I think you can see that. I think where you you know what's been talked about. Okay, he's left footed um, centre back. You know how is he on the ball? Because that is the main thing, I guess, with CCV and Starfield and all of them is that do you have somebody who can excel with the ball? Because you've got to have the ball a lot as a Celtic centre half. Kubai actually is, is used to having the ball a lot. The interesting thing with him is that he doesn't dribble much at all, right? You don't see him take the ball out of midfield and stepping out much. And I think that'll have a lot to do with the way Kobe sets up. You know, they've the, Cel- the Japanese league is it's very even. You know, you don't have loads more possession than opposition. You know, Kobe has been struggling this year. But looking at his pass maps and things like that, it's not a player who, for, for Kobe, steps up a lot and tries to kind of sense ball into the middle of the pitch. Like, look, his, 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 his passing map shows him passing out to the left back, passing to the other center back. And also, as we put on Instagram as well, he loves these kind of cross-field diagonals in, in terms of that. But what I would say about him on the ball, he's got an air of calmness about him. You know, he's very almost laid back on that. So, he, he never seems stressed or needing just to get rid of the ball. You know, that kind of get, the sense you get with some centre-backs, even though they do something, execute something, you kind of get a feeling that you'd rather not do this, would you? You don't get that feeling with Kobayashi at all. I think that's encouraging that you, if he gets the ball, he's very calm on it. He's got good technique. And while we haven't seen him stepping out or trying like line-breaking passes through the middle much uh, for Kobe you kind of get a feeling that he has the technique and the confidence and the calmness to do that. So I think that's really encouraging. 
That really is encouraging. Um, check out our Instagram at 90 Minutes Cynic, where uh, Christian is doing some uh, video analysis. We're putting it up on there because um, obviously that's different. Twitter's a bit of a uh, difference when it comes to various copyrights and stuff. You don't so want to get your Twitter shut down. That's what you're really saying. Yeah, yeah. Aye, absolutely. Um, so check out the Instagram. It's uh, at 90 Minutes Cynic. Um, what does this say for our other centre backs? I think everyone was kind of shocked with this announcement, uh, pleasantly surprised, um, but still a little bit shocked. I think we probably, uh, it's been announced a lot earlier than we thought. What do you think this says about Jens and Stephen Wilson? Again, we are going to do the, the transfer committee pods and we can go and dig deeper, but just off the top of your head at this point. There's obviously at least one too many there now. So I would not be surprised if, if Welsh specifically go out, just because you're not going to send Jens back right now, and he's, he's the third choice, and he's played a lot. He played actually a lot yeah. uh, compared to a lot of other players. So I, I think it's, first of all, short-term is Stephen Welsh. And I think Stephen Welsh is somebody who probably wanted to try and get a move in the summer as well. I think he's overdue a move. I I think if he's told me who do you rather start for Celtic, Stephen Welsh or, or Maurice Jens, to be honest, so I, I might even go Stephen Welsh because I, I think he's 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 a decent player and I think he can definitely go. I know all Scottish players goes to Serie A, like, but you can see him going to Serie A or even the League One in, in in France. You know, for a mid-table, lower tier, like a bit further down, and play play really well. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's where he should go. I think he can probably get a move like that, being on loan and all. So I, I think first of all, short term is Stephen Welsh. It's kind of like the David Turnbull thing, whereas. He'll go and have a really good career. You know, I think he could play for Scotland easily as well. I think you, know, you look at what Jack Henry has done and I know the different players, but stuff like that. I think he can have the exact same career and I think he'll suit both sides. So then you get to the fourth choice centre-back. I don't think you keep Jens after the summer, to be honest, because, again, he's probably somebody who wants to play and I don't think he's for what you probably have to pay for him. I don't think it'd be worth it. Ideal scenario... For that fourth choice next season, I think if you have CCV Stafford and Kobayashi, I think you got three players that who all wants to play or it can challenge for that first team spot. So the fourth choice one for me, ideally you would, if Dane Murray, I know it's Lewis Lloyd said he was he started running now, so obviously he's got he's had a bad injury. If someone like Dane Murray or Boston Lowell can develop enough, maybe Lowell can have a, a loan in January to come up and take the fourth choice minutes. Because I think both of them probably have the potential to be a starting Celtic centre-back at some point if their development is right. So ideally, I think that's what you want. You Welsh Nians goes out, Lowell or Murray steps into the fourth choice, uh, and then you got three centre-backs, three really good centre-backs who's, who's fighting for you know the first two uh, places. I think what you're talking about there is all kind of um, like a, the philosophy. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not particularly sure that Lowell or Murray would be there yet. Um, I mean, but Murray's coming. Is, you, Murray, you don't Murray, know. Yeah, well, I know. I, <coughs> just have to put him in, to be honest. Yeah, I, I guess that's the thing. I mean, like, if you look at Christopher Ayer, you know, he went, the, the loan, people, and maybe sometimes people forget the, the kind of how well he did out on loan with Kilmarnock. He, 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 if a Celtic player plays in the Scottish Premiership, they should be the standout in that team. If, if they're good yeah. enough to play for Celtic. And Christopher Iyer was the standout in that team. Christopher Iyer still came back and he was a little bit rusty. But what he, what he proved from a, purely from my supporters' 
um, point of view is that he can go and he can play at this level and he can play at this level well. And I remember he played against Rangers and it was Kamara versus Rangers and he was one of the best players on the pitch and he was still only 18 or 19. That's what I want to see before I think you then come in and challenge. Again, that's just mine, my, my point of view. Again, if, if, if Lawwell can have a good preseason and, and come up and Ange is impressed, I just, I'm not sure Ange has seen, I, I feel like he, there would have been an opportunity already for him, even if it's just an in and around squads, because he's very, very quick to be like, oh, I'm going to move you out because you're not good enough and you're not my plans and I'm going to bring you in. So, I don't know. Yeah. So, I, I think from a philosophical point of view and from a strategy point of view moving forward, I think absolutely ideal Practically, I'm I'm not necessarily sure, but again, this is all transfer committee fodder, so we can we can talk through it. Uh, Kobayashi, um, you're excited about him. You, you've described how well you think he's going to play. Um, really, really, really looking forward to him. There is a, um, a, a report, a stat report, a, a, a um, player report on our Twitter and on our Mastodon. Uh, and on Instagram as well, so you can check out that. We have a Mastodon now. We do. We? Yeah. We've, wow. Yeah. Well, Screw I, you, Elon Musk. Yes. Screw you. Screw you, Elon Musk, as you just said there. Um, yes. <laughs> um, Karen. Space Karen. Space Karen. As I've seen him. Uh, you know, I, I do. I find that weird because my sister's name's Karen. So when anyone, okay. in, I, I, you know, it's you, and I met your sister. She's very nice. She's not a Karen at all. Exactly. Karen is a, a you know, it's it's a state of mind. Exactly. Um. Alistair Johnson has been, you know, quoted as, you know, being linked with Celtic. He's currently uh, Montreal Impact. He's got a very, very staunch name. He sounds like a Rangers board member. That's one of my biggest fears. I mean, he sounds like a guy in the office. I think every single office in Scotland's got a guy called Alistair Johnson, <laughs> and he works within counts or something. So, um, you you put out an, again. We put out another um, report on him, uh, a profile on him, and uh, again, re- reading through it, it's all very, very positive. I'm sure a lot of people would have saw him playing for for Canada. What's your thoughts on this guy? Yeah, again, interesting. I haven't seen him. I, I looked at him a little bit last night. Um, I kept falling asleep a bit because it was quite late. But um, I've, I've had a good look at him, but not a good. But I've got a sense of him. Obviously, as you say, people would have seen him against Belgium as well. Put the stat report out yesterday, and he's yeah, he's. I keep saying players are interesting. I think he's an interesting uh, fit here. Specifically on the stats, I think you have to consider that he's he hasn't really played in a back four much for Montreal or Canada. So he's mostly played uh, as a wing back and they either in a you know a three five two or three four three for for Montreal, or he's he played in the back three as the right sided uh, centre back as well. And it's funny because he's, it's just simply his physical profile is also a mix, a little bit of a, of a fullback and, and a centre back. I think so. He's, he's he's almost six feet. You know, he's so he's you know he's taller than say Juranovic or Taylor. He's he's slightly wider <laughs> for that as well. But he's obviously playing as a wing back. It's, he's you know you've seen himself. He's not Juranovic quick, but he's. he's He's got decent pace. If you look at his heat map, his passes and everything, he's very much mostly when he plays out on the wing back on the wing, which again is, you know, if, if you're playing that sort of system, you wouldn't expect your fullback, your slash wing back to invert as much. 
you know, anyway, because you have your right centered right side of center back, they can step up. And especially, you know, almost per definition, if you're playing a back three, often you don't really have an out and out wide player. So your fullback, your wing back is supposed to be that. And you, you see that in Johnson's pass map and everything that he's, he's very much centered out wide. But as you say, he has played quite a bit right center back. And I think when you watch him play, you, you can see that he's, he, he, you can see obvious parallels with playing fullback for Celtic in terms that, you know, because fullback, I said at the moment, is almost more a central midfielder role than, you know, a fullback role because yeah. you step in so much. He's not played that much there, but you can see that he, he could adapt to it, you know, because he's, as you say, he's not, it's not, you know, if, if you pick a Celtic example, he's not a, a Jeremy Fringpong kind of right back in terms of, you know, very fast, very technical dribbles stays out wide he is you he's, he's you know he's just his physical profile is, is not that but but he's kind of if you current celtic center back to you almost see him as a a mix of what Juranovic does and ralston does because i think Juranovic and ralston while they try to play in the same system is completely different right and i think he's he's probably faster than ralston he's, he's technically better than ralston um but he's he's not as fast as Uranovich. He's not as good on the ball as Uranovich is, and he's what well, he has sky high. You know, he's a lot of crosses. Crosses is a big part of his of his game, and in terms of defensively, he doesn't get involved much in terms of being in many duels and, and many tackles. That's probably got a lot to do with playing a wing back because you play higher up and stuff like that. So his his defensive activity, as we called, is is much closer to what Juranovic does to what Ralston does when they play for Celtic. But his actual win rate is 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 you know how many duels and tackles he wins when he does get involved is good. So I, I think he's is he, it's that point. Where I think he's a good combination of the those two. But what you don't want is somebody who's not comes in between them and doesn't fulfill either role. Completely, if you know what I mean. So, I think it's, it's an interesting one because it's not the type of fullback, Celt- right back Celtic have at the moment. It's not like they've gone out and got another Elson or another Juranovic. They've got something in between. So, I, I think that's my overall first impression of it. Um, in regards to, you know, see what I find. See, the MLS is a league. Now, I obviously don't watch it as much as, you know, obviously the Scottish Premiership, but. I, I do find it kind of hard, and I don't know if you, you get thoughts on this, to kind of put it into context of, of, of quality. Maybe a little bit maybe a little bit with any league you don't watch, right? But what I do see is when I see ex-Celtic players who maybe struggled here performing really, really well, like uh, like Morgan. Now, Morgan was a good player for Celtic. Um, he, he obviously left because we, he wasn't necessarily going to hold down a first-team position overall. But like he's like MVP, like... I, I I do wonder this this MLS. I, I'm I'm encouraged that we can go there and you know maybe pick up uh, players who have got potential. But standard wise, is it you know is is this a guy who can come in and hit the ground running with Celtic, or again is it sort of he'll come in and he'll need six months to get up to speed? Yeah, I mean, it is. It is a, again. I don't think from what I see, I don't think it's far away from the Scottish League and type of league it is you know it is a physical league it is i I think they are 
a lot of tactical focus in MLS, more more than the Scotland's players. I think that equips you fairly well. I, you do look at him at Johnston, and you see somebody who's. I don't. I don't want to. Like, I don't really have to push this without it sounding a bit bad. I don't. I see him somebody who, if he came into Celtic squad now, he wouldn't be first choice over Juranovic. Right? I think Juranovic is a better right back. I mean, that's Juranovic is you know plays for Croatia. He's he, you know his qualities, and I think he's, for all his criticism, you, you struggle to find a better right back unless you go way way up in terms of price range. So. I think Johnston could come in and be and bring something to the right back role. I think from what I've seen him, would I think he's a better fit to the system than Tony Ralston? Yeah. Do I think he's better than Tony Ralston overall? From what I've seen so far, yeah, I've, I've, I do think he is. I said I think he would be an upgrade on Tony Ralston. He would not, for me, be an upgrade on on Josef Ranovich. And That's he one. is. That's a one. And it, yeah, and it's he's, he's twenty four years old, which is. For a fullback, it's not old, but it's not young either. It'll still have, and so it, I, I, it sounds like I'm, I'm down on him. I, I'm not. I think he can come in, and I think he can, and I need to see him a lot more. And I think he's got aspects of his game which are really interesting. I, I think he could be a good inverted fullback as well, and he's got a nice kind of combination of strength and speed and technique without being super in any of them, but not poor in any of them. But I, I think kind of what I've... Okay, again, very limited. I see him as a really good backup oh, option. <laughs> but, so, that, he could... But again, he could explode and he, he could actually be really well suited for the Scottish games. He could really develop on the ranch because we've seen that. We've seen how Tony Ralston has developed. So that doesn't say he couldn't come in and be a really good starting right back for Celtic. Like he, he, he could come in if Juranovic goes and he comes in. I think he, he could have a really good latter part of the season. He could you know, bring bring something to it. Absolutely. But my first impression isn't like when I saw Alexander Bernabeu, I was like, wow, like he's raw, but you could see the potential, yeah. right? And yeah. it's, so this guy is a lot less raw. He's a lot more consistent. He's a, a consistent probably the word, but he's not as exciting or has the high ceiling uh, of a Bernabeu. Yeah, you know, if, if that makes sense, I think that's my initial impression of him. I mean, the thing about Bernabeu is he's he's came in and he's still you know taking time to kind of bed in and all that. But ultimately, what I think Bernabeu could be is Bernabeu could be competition for Greg Taylor, and I think that, yeah, absolutely. I I and, and but the, my fear would be that if we you know we brought Johnson in and he's brought in as the replacement for Juranovic, but he's not as good as Juranovic, then that's a drop off. Yeah, but having said all that as well, the the, the tiny elephant in the room is, is Greg Taylor, right? Because if, if you looked at Greg Taylor in, in any other club before Einstein, you'd be like, it's not really, it's not exciting, is it? It's, yeah, it's not yeah, really. Okay. So there the could be something that, I, I think Celtic's transfer recruitment process is good now. And I said, I haven't seen Johnson by far enough, right? So there could be elements in his play that would really blossom at Celtic and really blossom on the ranch. And he could come in and have a Greg Taylor kind kind of impact, you know, a bit more low key impact. But he, 
as I said, he's, he's tactically astute enough. He can find the pockets. He can kind of do what Greg Taylor does on the left-hand side at the right-hand side for Celtic. There's absolutely a, a possibility that that comes in. Um, and, and maybe that's why they've identified. Maybe that's why we're bringing him in. I, I know I've said this about five times now. I need to see him more, right? But I, I think the first impression is like, he's not burned by kind of excitement. He's more maybe... Uh, hopefully, a best case scenario, he's kind of like Greg Taylor kind of excited, which is also a different kind of excitement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll have more on Alistair Johnson, uh, and we'll certainly have more on the transfer committee. And, and say hello if you see him in the office. Yes. You know, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> um, very staunch. Uh, yeah, obviously has. The, <laughs> yeah, hello. He's got loafers. He wears loafers. There's no doubt about it. Um, games coming up this weekend. Uh, Rangers women versus Celtic FC women. 5.15 Broadwood Stadium. Saturday. Myself and Claire are going along to that. Um, and also it's on BBC Alba. Uh, Christian, you did a, a stats pod with uh, Claire recently. Um, any kind of thoughts on just Celtic FC women? I think it's, these games are huge for them, right? I, I think when we looked at the stats, they're really kicked on offensively last season you know, from Celtic women in terms of, you know, replaced Charlie Wellens really well. And they've, they've spread the goals. I think Jacinta looking at her stat, who's, you know, I think we think with Jacinta because she's got such a high profile, you know, last season, she, she's one of the most well-known players in the league. And, but she was all these player of the year awards. But when I spoke to people, I actually watched all the games who were like, mm, should be, be, she be in the shortlist. She's kicked on immensely this season she's yeah. definitely one of the top players in the league now and she's i think that the hype kind of around there is, is absolutely justifies i think she's having a great season i think what we saw as well goalkeeping wise there's a lot more stability so while celtic is still conceding the same amount of chances i think they have a more calming presence at the back so i think that's good as well but honestly like this these are the games you need to show up right because they've been very good uh against all the other teams to blown them away the Glasgow City game was okay. It was close result wise, but stats wise, they're, they're pretty much outdone by them, right? So, and I think Rangers again might still be the best league in the, the best team in the league so far. So, this is where you need to show it, yeah. and this is you know where you need to step up, really. Absolutely. Uh, so that's a five fifteen kickoff. It's on BBC Alba. Um, myself and Claire will be there. Check it out uh, on Saturday. We have Beyond the Scoreboard that's recording. Uh, this evening um, if you've got any kind of questions we're not really taking questions but if you've got a, a question that you want to get across to Christian uh, and Alan uh, just email us editor at the cynic.co and if we've got time we'll pick it up but we'll have a more a subscriber based question podcast with Beyond the Scoreboard coming up very soon so look out for that on Sunday it's the first episode of Faithful Through and Through as we look at Celtic Supporters Clubs I'm looking forward to releasing that on Sunday so check it out Christian, we're going to finish with fact or fiction. I was going to talk about the World Cup, but we're running out of time, and you, you, you and Graham will pick it up on Tuesday anyway at the review. So, um, so yeah, fact or fiction? I asked the questions, and you state if they are fact or fiction and why. Question number one. Celtic will break the points record this season. Fact or fiction? 103 is the record. Potentially, we could if we win all our games, we'll get 111. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Uh, Fiction. I think I think that is a really tall order. Like no, so if you if you take the points they've had so far and divide it over thirty eight games, you get one hundred and six, which, as you know, is more than one hundred three. 
So, so you do have that, and it's. But I think what we'll talk about on Beyond the Scoreboard is that so far Celtic have lower expected points than points. I think there's some good reasons for it, and not all of them are, are, are bad. And I think Celtic will end them more. So if if you took the X points so far and divided them by 38, you get 91.8 points, which is difficult to achieve, right? Um, so that's roughly, you know, I think the 93 last season. I think they'll go above that, and I think they'll be, be in mid to high 90s, but I don't think they'll get 103. Okay, lovely stuff. Um, second question, Kyogo will be top scorer in Scotland by the end of the season. Fact. I think he will. Um because he is the obvious first choice now uh, for Ange, I think it'll be interesting to see how he comes back after his break. I'd be interested to see how much Ange rotates afterwards, but I think he's, he's going to play more games than, than Gigi. And again, we're going to talk about this and be on the scoreboard, but his XG and goals are pretty much perfectly aligned so far. So his, his goal rate is sustainable. And honestly, I don't see how he doesn't score quite a bit of goals if he is you know if he starts the majority of games from now to the end of the season and he will I just can't see anybody else scoring as many I mean you've got Lauren Shankland who's just scoring all of hard goals really <laughs> you know I think he's got 50% of their XG and, and stuff like that but um, you know okay you got Kolak as well but I think he's you know he's he's been overperforming a lot if you read the BBC articles and so uh, uh, yeah, I, I think he will. I think Celtic will score more than Rangers to the rest of the season. I think Kyogo will score more than Holak for the rest of the season. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, Christian, we'll hear more from you tomorrow on Beyond the Scoreboard. Yes. With, uh, it's a day without me. Yes. Uh, maybe Sunday. Yeah. So. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Christian, pleasure as always, sir. We'll speak to you soon. Speak to you down the road. Speak to you down the road. Uh, this has been a weekend update. That's Christian Wolf. I'm Chris Gallagher, and we will speak to you down the road. Yeah.